Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. But specifically, these days, snow plows, they are your one-stop shop for anything and everything snow plows with snow on the ground. Their blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications, and they're even double-sided so you get twice the use out of them. They're locally owned since 1972 and always have been here in the Denver area. And just, you know, let us know when you end up buying some snowplow blades from them. You can reach them at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. And Cole gets another good righty and another right by Cole. A left by Cole this time. Tipped in front by Mika Rentinen. Shoots and scars! Nathan McKinnon! Call JT Comfer! 877 goes now! Gabriel Landeskog! Collective hugs! 29 and 92! Save me by Grubauer! Move over, Picasso! This piece of art is by McKinnon, my goodness gracious! Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche Podcast, presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. With two convenient locations in Centennial and Highlands Ranch, they have over a thousand different varieties of beer to try, as well as wine and liquor from around the world. And if they don't carry what you want, you can just call them and ask them to order it to the store, and they will hook you up. They also have an app which you can download today and sign up for their loyalty program to get great prices as well as even get alcohol shipped directly to your door they always carry some solid breck brew which of course is my favorite but anything else you can imagine as well they have it for tasting on weekends all sorts of awesome stuff just be sure to download that app and head their way today i'm nathan rudolph he's aj hayfley we are here today to take a little bit of a look around the league Obviously, the Avs are set up quite well in the Western Conference, but there are 30 other teams out there, and, well, 29 of them are still theoretically able to make the playoffs at least, but that won't last that much longer as teams like Ottawa and L.A. start to uh, drop away pretty quickly, but it's just another shout out to how Detroit is just absolutely awful. Truly an impressive level of bad to get eliminated as early as they did. I mean, not so even delightful. the manage that one. Yeah. So, hey, if they don't want to play the last 20 games of the season, fine with me. Uh, looking at the main thing that I wanted to start with is the MVP race, because McKinnon obviously has been a little bit slow over the past 10 games or so. And no one else has slowed down. First of all, uh, Leon Dreisaitl is running away with the thing with 108 points. Uh, The guy's just an absolute animal in Edmonton. But beyond that, we're seeing a couple of players really start to separate uh, for the incredibly strong Boston team. Pasternak has 92 points and probably the main contributor there, although he does have Marchand. And then 
I, I don't know. How do you feel about Panarin, AJ, as he started off the season slow, but has been an absolute monster for New York so far, despite New York meh, on the outside of the playoff picture. We'll put it that way. Uh, I think Panarin is the, the same candidate this year that McKinnon was a couple years ago. It's just a better it's just a better field of candidates uh, overall. So, because um, you know he's he's leading a kind of upstart team, a team that didn't have very many expectations, and he's completely dominant on that team. Yeah, I mean, almost single handedly dragging that offense around at times. So maybe more like he's he's like Taylor Hall instead of maybe McKinnon. Sure, just because. You know, he doesn't have any help. He doesn't. He doesn't have a Miko Ranton in with him, and he's a wing. So we'll we'll say he's Taylor Hall two years ago. Seems fair enough. This year, there's just another Kucherov happening. So, right. Well, and like the the candidates this year, are just I mean, they're just better. Like it's just a better field. That that year, everybody was like, "Hey, this is kind of a weird year for this because." There isn't an obvious like runaway. Somebody's having an insane season, or a couple of somebody's are having an insane season. And this year, you know, there's a handful of guys who are on their on on pace for you know 115 point seasons. There's like three of them. So, and you know, one of them is really running away from it, and that's Leon Drysaitel. Yeah, I mean that. McDavid got hurt for a couple of games there in February, and Dreisaitl just took off like a rocket, basically, in his stead, and honestly probably put the MVP vote to bed for the most part. There's not a ton to really say when a dude has 108 points in 67 games, and the next closest guy is at 95. Even though uh, that guy's his teammate. like Right. It doesn't, I don't, that's insane. Like if, if Nate McKinnon had 108 points right now and Miko Rantanen had 95, do you think, do you think anybody, do you think any of us would be sitting here listening to any argument about the guys who were in third, fourth, fifth, sixth place in scoring? No, I sure wouldn't. (laughs) No, we'd be like, the guy is 16 points ahead of the next closest non-teammate. Like this is an MVP. This is what an MVP season is. I'm sorry. We would not be listening to that at all. Right. It it would be ridiculous for that guy to not win. We'll put it that way. He's also shooting over 20% on the year. So he's pretty all right at the whole putting the puck in the back of the net thing with 43 goals. Um, Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. He's having such a special season. I mean, this is this is the kind of season that we just I mean, you just don't see very often. Yeah, like it's like Kucherov last year had 120 some odd points, and we hadn't seen a player do that in such a long time. And now, I mean, Leon Drysaitel, I mean, is realistically the guy could break 130 points. Is this two year span here with Kucherov and now Drysaitel the new normal for the NHL, or is this kind of a, an anomaly? Boy, I mean. I don't know because where did this come from? Like there weren't any major changes made to the made in the NHL um in the last couple of years when 
you know, with Jamie Ben led the league with like 88 points or something. Yeah, that the like lowest year ever, whatever it was. Yeah, like like there's there have not been like major changes. I just I mean, I honestly I the players just could probably just got better. Like there was no McDavid that year, you know. There there none of these guys who were in in this list really were in the league except for uh Kane was in the league back then. Um, Kucherov might have been, but it was he wasn't Kucherov like this version of him yet. Right. Yeah. You know, McKinnon, same kind of thing. Like, I don't know. You know, I don't. I don't know if it's the new new normal for the league to have. I, I mean, every year there's there's a guy having like an insane career year, right? And I thought that McKinnon was on his way to one this year. I really uh, this this weird like three weeks. For him, has really kind of taken him out of it for me. If he had continued on at a point and a half or so per game, um, given all the injuries and everything going on around, I would have had McKinnon easily as my number one. Like if if Nathan McKinnon was sitting even ten points behind Leon Drysaddle right now, I would still have McKinnon as my number one. Uh, but the fact that he's now twenty two points behind, like I'm. Sorry, dude. I just can't do that. Less McKinnon and more just Dreisaitl going off there. Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, if if Dreisaitl was a lot closer to where McDavid is, you know, it, um, you know, I mean, McKinnon is uh, nine points behind McDavid. Yeah, and like I, I would, I'd be open to that argument that McKinnon's been. If there was, you just cut Dreisaitl off entirely. And, and, and if this conversation was like McDavid and Pasternak, Panarin, McKinnon, uh, you know, Kucherov, those kinds of guys, um, then I would have, I, I, would, I, I think that the McKinnon conversation would still be relevant. You're, you know? you're back into that Taylor Hall style conversation where McKinnon has almost double any other player on the abs and points. Right. And then Panarin missing the playoffs would be a disqualifier for a lot of voters. It's not necessarily for me, um, but I would struggle. I, I would not be able to put Panarin ahead of McKinnon if uh, the Rangers missed the playoffs entirely, which is very possible. And then the abs were to go on and, you know, even even a top two seed in the West, you know, even... Because right now they would they would be winning the Pacific by a mile, you know. Yeah. Like if they finish in that one of those top two seeds in the West, and they do it without all of that, like I the the big problem here is that I've watched McKinnon every day and I know, right? Like there's gonna be a lot of voters out there who are just like, oh, McKinnon's insane. Look at the look at the injury problems that they've had, and he's just kept on going, and they won't know like. Hey, like he really is not. The last two weeks have been his slowest point of the season. Basically. Right, like the last the last two weeks is when it was like he needs to elevate. He he needs to absolutely carry them, and this is going to cement his heart candidacy. And it did it did the exact opposite. Yeah, very fair. So, and it's not like it's it's not a knock. He will one hundred percent finish in the top five somewhere. He might even finish in the top three, but. I just, you just can't, for me, I, I just, 
you just can't take it away take away what Leon Dreisaitl has done this year. It's been so special. Yep, I I'm with you. Sometimes you watch stuff like that, and you just gotta take it in and go, okay, that was insane. Yeah, I mean, like, like, the, and there's like Nathan McKinnon isn't owed an MVP. Yep, you know, like he's got to win one of these things, and this is just going to show how difficult it is that he can be as special as he has been, and you know, it's really hard to do across eighty-two games. Yeah. It's just, it's really hard to do. And, you know, Leon Dreisaitl will probably take a little step back next season. And instead of 130 points, he'll have like 102 points. And it'll be like, wow, he had a significantly worse year. Despite having a great year, he took, (laughs) he, he had a major drop in production because it'll drive home. I mean, Kucherov is the perfect example. Right. Like Kudrov had the, the an insane season last year, especially when you consider that he's a wing. And it's like, yeah, we're not even talking about him. He's cool. He's on pace to score a hundred points, but right. he had a hundred <laughs> points two years ago. He had 128 points last year. He's got 80 points right now, and nobody cares. Yep. Like just- I, if if it may not work for Mac this year, but if he just keeps going, he'll be in that. He'll be in it. Yep. It's so hard to win, man. I mean, you're talking about you're talking about the guy who has the best year, you know. And that's not just numbers. It's it's you know you've got to be on a playoff team. You've got to be. I mean, you've got to be the. You've got to be how you define value is always a moving target in this conversation, right? Because it's not always like most valuable because yeah. if, if we were having an honest conversation about like what value is, um, you know, like defensemen and goaltenders would be in this conversation way more for the heart instead of just like, okay, well I'm going to go to league leaders. I'm going to sort by who scored the most and then let's go. Yeah. But they also have trophies for defensemen and goalies specifically. So, well, right, but that's—I I, mean—they've got a lot of other trophies for skaters, for forwards too. It's, they do. It's just that it's—it's—it's it's, it's just that the MVP is like, how do you define value? Like Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid are both minuses, and I know that plus minus is bad, but it's. A little bit incredible that one, they're on a playoff team. So you can't even say that, oh, well, they're on a bad team. So they're getting scored on a lot. But like, how do you have 108 points and you're a negative six? Power play, baby. I mean, it, and like, they are leading the, both of those guys are one and two in the yep. NHL in power play scoring by quite a bit. Yep. And next closest are Pasternak and McKinnon. So but there you go. They're also they're you know, Drysaitel is second in the NHL, and McDavid is ninth in the NHL in even strength points. And it's it's still incredible to me. Like perfect example, forty eight for Jonathan Taves is the only other guy uh, in the top twenty, almost twenty five. Uh, that is a negative in plus minus. That that is like pouring on even strength points. He's got 48 uh, even strength points. He's a negative three. 
but he's on a really terrible defensive team. So you could totally understand that, right? Yeah. It's a little amazing to me. And it's funny because, like, again, this is a bad stat. I almost hate myself for for, for veering into this topic. (laughs) But, like, how do you pull that off? How do you have 64 even strength points and you're a negative six? I mean, you start Mike Smith every night. I who's been league average. Yeah. Like they've gotten league average. They've gotten league average goaltending. They are currently a playoff team. Like I'm, it's a little, it's a little amazing to me. It is. It is kind of crazy. Uh, I will actually, we can talk about that playoff picture in the Pacific in the second period. But for now, it's time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. It's, I guess, sip on an avalanche knowing that Nathan McKinnon is not going to win the MVP this year, despite being a fantastic player. And there's nothing you can do about it because it's well-deserved for Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, they have a bunch of amazing beers. I've told you about many of them. If there's a specific one you're looking for, you can, one, either head to Davidson's, or two, use their Breck Beer Locator on their website. They'll tell you where to go to pick up whichever type of a beer you're specifically looking for. It's a great little tool if you're looking for something specific, be it the Colorado Core, the Agave Wheat, the Vanilla Porter, whichever one. They have you covered. And also be sure to check out the Breckenridge event calendar on thednvr.com. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits with Rudo and AJ. We've talked about the incredible run Dreisaitl is on despite his and McDavid's incredible play. Edmonton still sits second in the Pacific Division behind a bit of a resurgent Las Vegas team. They've won nine of their last ten. Obviously acquiring Robin Leonard at the deadline in concert with Flurry remembering that he is a good goaltender. Uh, and yet Vegas sits at 82 points. Good enough for third in the Central Division. What what is it about the Pacific? Why is that division just so weak every single year in comparison? Well, normally it's been like the depth of it has been a problem. Yeah. And, you know, because last you look at the last couple of years and uh, they've had really good high end teams. Calgary was the number one seed last year. You know, San Jose has been obviously very competitive for a long time. Um, It's been, you know, Anaheim and Los Angeles had a, a whole run for like a decade where they they were just trading punches in that division. Uh, I honestly, I really think that it's just California fell apart. The bottom three teams in the West, all yeah. California, and those those three teams have kind of carried the Pacific for a long time. With Calgary kind of occasionally mixing it up and getting frisky here and there, yeah. uh, especially during the Gaudreau era, and you know, obviously since Vegas came in, they've been good. And so the the Pacific has just been deep every year. Uh, and this year, it's not really that deep. And it doesn't have the really high-end team right now. You know, Dallas would be leading the Pacific right now. Yep. And they're, right. they're a distant third now. I mean, they're five points behind Colorado. That's, 
you know, it's not, it's not to say Colorado has erased them or, you know, but five points, like, you know, if Colorado or Colorado's behind St. Louis by five points, we would not be talking about them as, you know, chasing down St. Louis as being a very doable thing. It's yeah. very hard to make up that many points. It's, it's impressive how much St. Louis and Colorado have separated from the rest of the West with Dallas at 82 and, and Vegas at 82 being the, the closest at five points back. And then you have Edmonton seven points back, but then the next team is Calgary at 12 points back with 75 points. Yeah. It's kind of like there's a, there's sort of a top two. Yeah. That's starting and- to emerge. Uh, and then there's like that little cluster of three teams that you mentioned. And then there's like, this huge like middle class. Yeah. You have the, it's, uh, it's Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Nashville, Arizona, the lead pack, the, the three team chase group. And then the, the Peloton of the Western conference, I guess. Yeah. There you go. Um, Earl will appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. The one person who listens to this that actually watches cycling will, will like that one, but it, it really is impressive the gap between the top playoff teams and the wild card. I th- I think is the thing to focus on here. Yeah, because yeah, you have the four Pacific teams in there, and then Winnipeg as as well. I guess man, Minnesota really did come back if they're only one point out of the playoffs, huh? Yeah. But either way, it's such a huge gap that none of the teams other than Calgary are really worried about the wild cards catching them. And right, I mean, it sets up for a really no pressure type of situation for these last twenty eighteen games. It it's a different kind of pressure for, especially for Colorado. You know, St. Louis did this last year. Uh, Dallas did this really the last two years because you remember Dallas was the seventh seed the last couple of years. Yep, and they were the team that Colorado was kind of chasing, and they were kind of chasing, and uh, or I should say, at least last year, um, two years ago, I think they fell off as Colorado separated from them. But those three teams, like Colorado and Dallas, are both unfamiliar um, with this kind of like level of comfort at this point in the season, knowing you know. You know, Dallas eight points, eight points ahead of uh, the wild cards. You know, Colorado is uh, 13 points ahead of the wild cards. Like a lot of that's some distance. Like the the threat of them missing the postseason is almost non-existent. And I think it's a really good thing for the Avs that they have the chase for the central. Because yeah, it keeps them keep focused, them motivated, yeah. right? And it keeps them from getting complacent. Because if if St. Louis was like where where Tampa Bay is, is kind of like where you don't want to be, right? You know, where you're nine points behind your division leader, your division leader is having the best year in the NHL, and you're, you're also barely in your spot, not going anywhere, right? Like you're pretty much locked in because you're nine points behind you behind your leader, but you're also nine points ahead of the team chasing you. Like you're feeling like, Hey, we're probably going to finish second, you know, with Colorado, a bunch of meaningless games, basically. Exactly. Like you're going to play a bunch of games. The, the last 16 games of the season are going to change nothing about your standing 
or your your road through the postseason. You pretty much know. And, you know, it's just a matter of matchups and and how it all plays out for the abs. It's they're they're trying to get home ice. They don't want to have to go through St. Louis. They don't want to have to go through St. Louis. Nobody does. Like, I mean, yeah. St. Louis is 23, six and five at home. Nobody wants to go through that building to, to have to, to have to beat them. You know, they're 17, 11 and five away from St. Louis. So that's 17 and 16. If you, if you count overtime losses as just losses, they're 17 and 16 away. Colorado's 23 and 11 on the road this year. Pretty good. So you, you know, as much as you don't want to have to go through St. Louis, like you've been the best road team in the NHL. It's not the worst fate, but you're still trying to make them come into your barn and do that work. You don't want to mess with a seven game series. It's never easy to go, especially an experienced team in the playoffs that, that know what they're doing. Yeah. It's not a, a Calgary situation. We'll put it that way. Yeah, where, you know, the Flames were great. They won the West, but they didn't have very much playoff experience, and they were green. And when Colorado punched them back, they didn't know what to do. Right. And that won't happen with either St. Louis or Dallas. That won't happen. Very true. So, it. I mean, it will end up being whatever it ends up being. It would be very disappointing if the Avs didn't finish top two, though, from this point going forward, given that yeah. they have games in hand on both St. Louis and Dallas. Yeah, I would given agree. Given the strength of schedule, all of those things. So, Yeah, and, and like Dallas is just sort of playing okay hockey right now. Like They're really not playing great. Well, they had been a team for so much of this regular season so far that did enough to get games to overtime, right? Yeah. And and that's where a lot of their points come from. They have eight overtime losses and then nine more than that. If you count shootouts, it ends up being 12 um, overtime or shootout wins. So, yeah, that's I a mean, whole lot of points they're picking up in, in very tight games. Right. And, like, you look at regulation wins. Colorado has 36 of them. Dallas has 26. Yep. Like, Dallas has been – Dallas is where they are because – Goaltending has been great for them. They are still number one in the West uh, in goal suppression with only 170 goals given up. Uh, Kind of amazingly, Colorado has caught them (laughs) uh, as Colorado is just at 173 goals given up. Um, Tip of the cap to Pavel Franzos. I mean, honestly, but Franzos, Hutchinson, and Grubauer, like they've gotten insane goaltending. Yeah, especially since the end of January, basically. Really? Yeah. And like since removed the Philly game and they've been stellar Yep, in that. So, you know, Dallas, Dallas has had the insane goaltending all season long. They've got a great, uh, a great duo there going back and forth between Bishop and Kudobin. And, you know, they're, I think they have a little mini goalie controversy on their hands because they've been giving Kudobin the net a little bit and not playing Bishop like he's the number one guy, 
which it's great when you can get away with that during the regular season, but come the postseason, you want to know who your guy is. And I mean, is that a controversy or is that just Bishop in the bubble wrap a little bit? I, I don't know, but it's turned into a little bit of a thing down there because I follow a lot of Dallas people and a lot of the media is struggling to explain why Ben Bishop is suddenly not playing a ton. Gotcha. And it might just be might just be rest. It, it could easily just be that. It's just when you're still you're still playing meaningful games, they would very much like to catch Colorado and get home ice, you know? Um and so it's like you're gonna play Kudoba. Anyway, not the point. Um it's really Dallas Dallas great goaltending and they've been dominant in third periods. They've come back on teams a ton. They they go into third periods regularly trailing, and they are one of the best in the NHL at winning games after that. Now, part of that is because they do go into overtime. They do win shootouts. They do win three-on-threes. And that experience is completely irrelevant once you get to the postseason because you have to continue to play the same five-on-five hockey that you were unable to win in during the first three periods. Someone has to score a goal in real hockey style. None of these shenanigans. Right. Like, it's great for ending games and getting points and doing all that stuff during the regular season. But once you get into the postseason, there's there's none of that. Dallas is, Dallas is ripe for multiple overtime games. And they are, they absolutely, they, they are totally the most predictable team in the entire league to have at least one double overtime game in the postseason. Ben Bishop has that effect on teams. <laughs> right. Well, and like they, they just suppress offense as well as they do that. <clears throat> it's, it's just what they do. It's just their identity, but they also, they also lean heavily on a, a top rated power play to generate what little offense they're able to get going. Yeah. You know, I talk about, Oh, Hey, I don't, it does not bother me much. that Colorado's power play isn't very good. It does. It still doesn't. For the record, it just doesn't bother me that much. It should one hundred percent be better. I'm not saying it's irrelevant or anything like that. It's just that this team does not struggle to score beyond that. So it does not bother me a lot. Um, their their goal suppression for Colorado matters a lot more to me. Dallas leans very heavily on that power play. That power play has to be good. It has to be. Because they just don't, they just don't generate offense outside of it very well. They're not a good five on five team. They're I mean, they're not. They have to get, they have to win special teams, uh, and they have to get excellent goaltending. And there was a formula that beat Colorado early in the season. Um, and you know, hey, they went, they won all their games against the Avs. One of them in a shootout. One of them in overtime. Uh, and then two in regulation uh, when the abs were not, you know, back in November when the abs were playing like garbage. I mean, if they want to score goals with broken sticks better in the regular season than in the playoffs, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, like the bottom line was Dallas went 4-0-0 against the abs. But one, like there's going to be so much time between the, the postseason and the, and the, any of those matchups that I won't feel strongly about any of them. And, I'm just not that worried about any of the matchups for for any of these teams against the Avs in the playoffs. It's not that's not to say that I have confidence that Colorado can smoke all of them. I I think they can, 
It's just that the playoffs are a different animal. You know, it's it's a seven game matchup. It's where coaching shines the most. How are you going to adjust? What are the different things you're going to do to to handle the different the the different angles of each of the unique matchups? Dallas is going to prevent or present a, a unique problem for Colorado because they didn't solve them during the regular season. And as we have seen, they've solved basically every other team in the NHL at some point. Yes. And, and it's also that, that limited offensive side that makes me worry less. Their leading scorer is Tyler Sagan with 50 points. Right. And, and he's been on a tear to get there. And sure. Maybe you haven't solved their defensive lockdown style yet, but it doesn't feel like it's that hard to pick up a goal or two and beat that team. Right. In the same vein of like, I'm not worried about Dallas. I'm, I'm not worried about Vegas, but like Vegas and the abs have played twice this year and the abs have blown them out in both games. It hasn't been close, right? Like the abs have absolutely raffle stumped them twice. That doesn't give me more confidence about the abs playing them in the postseason. Like it's, it's, I'm not sitting here thinking, Oh, well they, they blew out Vegas twice. They're going to, they've got this. I mean, regular season results just don't really have impact on playoff results. Just ask Calgary last year. <laughs> right. Well, it, and I mean, ask, ask lots of teams any year, you know, like they're, it's just not, <laughs> it's not, it's not super relevant to a best of seven uh, series. You know, it can be a little instructive, especially division opponents, because you just get more games against them. But, it's not something that you it's it's not like a it's it's not predict it's not predictive is what i'm saying yeah right it's you have to look at the process there to understand what's coming in the playoffs you can't right. just look at the wins and losses and you know when it where where colorado sits likely the 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 likeliest finished for that finish for them is second place uh the next closest is first place they're closer to first than they are to third uh if they finish first, man, and they get one of these scrappy teams, I'm honestly a little more concerned about the mental side of things if Colorado finishes first than if they finish second. I am not that concerned just because they'd be playing Winnipeg, Minnesota. Right. Or like I'm, They'll have the talent advantage. They'll be the better team. and I would fully expect that to play out that way. But they are also the team. This is this would be the first time in th- in the three years that it would be of them making the postseason. Uh, this would be the first time that they are not the the plucky upstart, the the scrappy underdog with nothing to lose. They would be the favorite. They would go in with expectations, and they would go in with the pressure that they were able to put to to use against the teams they played the last couple of years as as favorites. Uh, you know, they you think back two years ago to the Nashville series where that was a very, very close series through basically five games. Yep. Like I mean, game six, the NHL Nashville finally was like, okay, this is done. Yep. But the the abs those were very close games. <laughs> and Nashville being Nashville, you know, they had all the pressure on the world because they were, uh, you know, they, they won the president's trophy and it was 
they were they were the big kid on the block, right? Like they were uh, big scary. And they had all the pressure on them, and Colorado was able to use that to play carefree hockey. They were just happy to be there. And that's the most dangerous mindset that's out there. A team that's they're not worried about losing because hey, we're just happy to be here. And if Colorado gets that one seed, it will just be the first time that they've been in that position. And to be honest with you, it's something St. Louis is going to have to face this year too, because they didn't have to deal with that. Everybody kept expecting them to falter last year. They were the underdog in every series they played in last season. And nobody was expecting them to come out uh, of any of those series. And then this year, they're the defending champs, the bullseyes on their back. So it's going to be interesting for both Colorado and St. Louis as they are, they are entering into a post a, a, a likely postseason scenario in which they are favorites and they have not been there before. It'll be a new scenario. We always say there's a reason they play the games. Yeah. The seeds don't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things other than home ice. Right. So. It'll be very interesting one way or another. Get out of this second period here for you. And if you guys didn't know already, you guys are missing out because we are now covering the Colorado Raptors pro rugby team. We have Colton Strickler on the beat, taking you behind the scenes with the DNVR Raptors podcast. He regularly talks to players on the team, all of that, and has written content on thednvr.com as well. I think he just put up a piece about round four of the season. So still early days, but they are underway and and doing their thing as we here at DNVR try to figure out what's going on and and, and how to actually play this sport. If you want to join us, he's building a really cool community on the DNVR Raptors Twitter account. Be sure to give that a follow. And they also play at infinity park in Glendale, just East of cherry Creek. It's a sweet venue and you can get in pretty cheap adults for just 20 bucks. When you buy tickets at coloradoraptors.com and kids, just $5 search for that DNVR Raptors podcast after our show and become a fan of Colorado's pro rugby team. Third and final period of the DNVR avalanche podcast presented by Davidson's with Nathan Rudolph and AJ Hayes. The East Conference, we don't talk about it a ton here, but you got to bring it up every so often. They've had the first team eliminated from eliminated. There we go from the playoffs, and they will likely have the first team to lock up a playoff spot. Boston is just nine points away from securing a playoff berth, assuming that Florida continues to drop off and they continue to win. So is is this what you see as well, obviously Boston very likely to win the president's trophy. Are they the team to beat going into the playoffs, AJ? I think, I think that's, yeah, the answer is yes. They have three regulation losses at home. The answer is yes. Like, yeah, pretty scary stuff. You talk about like Dallas getting fat off of OTLs and like, that's, that's why they're in the position. It's not why Boston is where they are, but, uh, their ability to to get games beyond regulation is definitely one reason why they are as far in the lead as they are, because they have 13 regulation losses and 12 overtime losses. Like that's it's silly. They they lead the NHL in regulation wins with 37. Number two is Colorado at 36, 
and they have a nine-point lead on the Avs. So they're both very good, and they are good at getting games beyond regulation. They're 0-7 in shootouts somehow. Like can't which, win on three on three, can't win in the shootout. <laughs> like great, like it's funny because it's you know it, Colorado's been so bad in overtime in the last couple of years, and it's like, oh, Jared Bender's a terrible coach and doesn't know what he's doing, and he can't get him to can't get a whatever, 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 right? And it's it's like, dang, dude, like what's this, what's with these what's with good teams being bad in overtime? It's just good at five on five doesn't translate to good at three on three, I guess. So odd. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, it's wild, man. I mean, we, we did an entire MVP conversation. I said, David Posternock's name like twice. And he's one of those other guys. That's absolutely in this conversation. The dude's nuts. 92 points. Like he's, he's playing so well and he's just pumping in goals. Although he slowed down a little bit to, to allow dry to catch him. But, Whew. Yeah, I mean he's still gonna bust fifty goals easily at right. this pace. So and, well, and they're they're a plus fifty two in goal differential, where uh, they're one of the higher scoring teams in in the league. But one hundred and sixty eight goals against are the gold standard for suppression. Yeah. So you know, I'm. <laughs> what don't they do? Basically, right? Like they are. They're very, they're as complete as it gets. And this is a team that lost in game seven of the cup finals. So it's just more of the same for them. They're, they're incredible. They're the team to beat. And that they only have three regulation losses in Boston this year. And I think those, those losses were Colorado, Edmonton, and Detroit. Yep. So kind of a mixed bag there. (laughs) A little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, really interesting that, uh, the, the Eastern conference is going to go through them. Yep. They're going to, they're going to get whichever team survives the wild card chase. The, you know, Islanders, Columbus, Carolina Rangers, I guess I'll, if I'm including the Rangers, I'm also including the Panthers. Sure. Just because they're they're still sort of there. I mean, there's a very real chance that the Panthers make the playoffs and jump the wild card because the Atlantic is kind of bad at the bottom. Yeah, they are as close to five points out of a wild card spot and five points out of third place in the Atlantic behind Toronto. So you are correct. Yes. So could be a little bit of of weirdness going on there and. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the pod or not, but maybe that would be fate intervening for Toronto to play Boston yet again. Um, I doubt it, but you never know. Anything's possible. Uh, The Eastern or the Metropolitan Division, pretty stacked at the top with Washington, Philadelphia, and Pittsburgh, with Philly kind of the, the guy coming on strong, a little bit surprising there. Yeah, both Washington and Pittsburgh have faltered. You know, Washington has been very blah- uh, over the last month and a half, you know, the more I, the more I think about it, the more I get annoyed by their win in Denver because it was two totally random deflected pucks in a game they didn't they didn't play like great. And I mostly just feel bad for goaltending because there's nothing you can do about that, and it certainly wasn't Groovy's fault. But nope. 
good teams, all of them. Um, Pittsburgh, I think, just ended a six-game losing streak. Uh, Philadelphia's on a six-game winning streak, and Washington has been playing 500 hockey for six weeks. So that opened up the door because Washington and Boston were way ahead in the East, and that just opened up the door for everyone to catch them. And my my forever bold preseason prediction of Philadelphia winning the Metro at least is uh, I, I there's at least I've got a I've got a shot at it this year. I. I, I forever hope. believe yeah. in the Flyers. So, um, that's All a fun right. race. That's a that's a fun race, and it's going to be, you know, if we end up with Philly and Pittsburgh in the first round, the NHL wins because everybody loves that rivalry. Yep, that's uh, Pittsburgh Philly round one. The potentially the immortal Washington Pittsburgh. Rivalry round two again as well. <laughs> I mean, right now the East is setting up to have such an entertaining first round where Tampa Bay and Toronto, come on, and That's Philadelphia, Pittsburgh. But yep. Tampa Bay, Toronto was like the ultimate battle of the demons. You know, Toronto, <laughs> yeah. Toronto can't seem to get out of the first round, and Tampa Bay is trying to do everything it can to forget about last season. True. So it's just like like Tampa Bay. <laughs> And and if that thing goes seven, they both have such strained histories in game sevens recently that it's like it's it's the ultimate like somebody has to exercise a demon here. <laughs> somebody does. They they can't both blow game seven. Eventually one of them's gonna have to win. And so that's setting up to be fun. And Toronto's a fun team to watch because they're the highest scoring team in the league, but they have to outscore their problems because they are horrible defensively. Yep. Like horrible defensively. And they are able to outscore their problems in in, in a way that Florida has not been able to. And that's the only reason that those teams are not flipped in the standings. They've, they've gotten Toronto's gotten just enough goaltending to get where they are. And Florida paid $10 million for Bobrovsky to completely fall apart. Mm-hmm. $10 million that supposedly they're looking to get rid of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now they've got to shed $10 million in uh, salary obligations somewhere else because Miami just isn't allowed to have good sports teams. I guess. I, Except I the guess. Oh, They're not that good anymore. Yeah, well, or I mean. Least. They were good for a while, for sure. Yeah, when you have the Heatles. <laughs> so, yeah, it, the the races in, in the East in a lot of ways are more interesting than the West. I mean, obviously, the Colorado race for everyone listening to this podcast is probably the number one thing. But when you're looking at the Pacific Division, eh, not a ton going on there. Yeah, the the first round matchups, like right now, uh, as of today, we would have the Battle of Alberta out west, Edmonton and Calgary, which would be a phenomenal seven-game series. Two teams that legitimately hate each other. And awesome. And Chuck brother in there. <laughs> like, that would be awesome. And then St. Louis and Winnipeg would be a repeat of last year's first round, which would be whatever. And then Vegas and Vancouver would be, again, like, that's a... I don't care about that series at all. I would watch zero seconds of that series. Yep. And then Colorado Dallas would be 
I think it would be fun, but Dallas is kind of boring in general, so blah. And then out east, Philly and Pittsburgh, Tampa and Toronto. Those would be great series. Washington or, um, yeah, it'd be Washington and the Islanders and then, which, Boston, Columbus, whatever. Yeah. And Boston, Columbus. And I just want to see Elvis try and take down all of Boston on his own. I mean, <laughs> I feel like that series only ends one way and it's a beat down. But <laughs> I don't know how Columbus is holding off Carolina still. Like, I know that Carolina's got injury problems at goaltender, but that otherwise that team is so good. They're so solid. I mean, Carolina does have three games in hand there, so that's part of it. But, yeah, certainly I'd be more interested in a Carolina-Boston series than a Columbus-Boston, put it that way. Well, and that Columbus is there is a lot of people I've I've seen, like, why isn't Jared Bednar a shoe-in for Coach of the Year? And, I mean, look at Columbus. Look at everything that they lost in the offseason. Yep. And look where they are right now. And despite leading the league in injury problems, like you think Colorado thing, you know, as fans think that Colorado have injury issues. This is the Columbus is going through the same thing, except it's been all season. Like, yeah, nonstop all season. They have just lost players and they've lost. They've lost guys to, to season ending injuries, not guys that are like, Hey, we'll be back in five weeks. You know? Like we're talking broken bones, guys, guys who are done. And yep. they're still here. They're still as of right now, they're still in a playoff spot. And that's why for me, uh, I would give Tortorella coach of the year right now is because they've weathered everything and they're still there. And even if they do miss the postseason by like a point or two, it's been a phenomenal coaching job by Torts out there in Columbus this year. And just kind of the same thing with Sullivan and Pittsburgh, although this big losing skid that they've gone on kind of hurts them a little bit in that in that regard. I've, and I, I and I think that that the Avs are going through what they're going through now for the second time boosts Bedner's stock quite a bit, and he should absolutely be in the conversation. I've, All right, I I think he should be. I mean, I think he should be too. When when he loses by one vote. Everyone can blame you for not voting for him. I mean, I, I don't. Do we? Do we even vote for coach of the year? I mean, I definitely don't. I don't. I mean, know. We. I mean, as in like the media. I don't. I don't remember um, who votes for coach of the year. I, I can never remember who's. Is it the GMs? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. You know, that's the that's the award that the Avs should win. Running away is GM of the year for Sackick. Yep. Well. I, I think that's the that's the one that will keep the abs on the board in the hardware category, as it seems like everything else they might come up a little bit short in on uh, NHL award day or whatever you want to call it. But I guess we're wrapping up here. Any final thoughts, anything around the league you wanted to touch on that I missed, AJ? Um, no, you know, maybe... Um... Biggest surprise this year for me has probably been Columbus. Uh, biggest disappointment, definitely Florida and Nashville. Yeah. I I really don't know what's wrong with Nashville, man. I don't get it. There's so much talent on that team. I don't understand why it's not working. 
it makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I know everybody will joke about like, oh, well, Matt Duchesne is there, so they have to be bad now. But it really, at some point, it makes you wonder, right? It's just weird. It's not, and like, right. it's not, it's not like Matt Duchesne is poisoning every single pl- place that he goes to, to the point where they just can't win anymore. I mean, Ottawa was already on their way to a, not being very good. Well, and you go, okay, well, Pecorine struggled this year. Maybe he's finally off the cliff, but Saros right. is the starter there now, and he's been league average anyway. Right. Well, and like, I mean, like, you just look at that team. Like, yeah, it's, like, it like, should be stacked. Like, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne and Nick Benino's having a career year. Kyle Turris, like, you should have all the center depth that you need. You yep. have the best center. You should have the best center depth in the league. And even understanding that, like, none of those guys are, like, an elite 1C. And and then you have guys like Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson, like, very, like, proven, very good players. They've gotten 31 points out of Rocco Grimaldi. And, <laughs> oh, like... Right? Like, I just don't. What has gone wrong in Nashville is, and, and like, La Violette, that was. I've been saying for a year that the writing was overdue, on the wall. Yeah. Like that there were there were issues there. And that's okay, whatever. But I don't understand how they continue to to just be so mediocre. Like they I don't mean, have they they're they they are not good at home. They're only they're 16 14 and 4 which is really 16 and 18 they're 16 12 and 4 on the road which is just 16 and 16 like they're just not that good man they aren't uh, not that i'm complaining about that no but. just when you, coming into the season i had them as the hard one for the central division and everybody chasing them because they went out over the summer and got the one thing that they absolutely have been lacking in a number one center in duchene where, again, not an elite number one center, but a guy that should put up 75 points, especially on a really good team. And then having a guy like Rijo as your 2C who can give you 60 points. I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what is up with that team. I don't know what's up with Ryan Johansson, who's a 30-goal guy in Columbus. And then he goes to Nashville and he's scoring like 14 goals a year. Like, I just don't understand, dude. What are you doing with that personnel? Something wrong, clearly. There's something that isn't clicking, whatever it may be. I wonder what Jared Bednar would do with that team. Not run the offense through the defense quite as much, I imagine. Well, maybe. I mean, Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis. Yeah, I know. It's sick, but... It would probably be even more tempting. Well... I we don't have to find out, thankfully. Yeah. Bednar is is in Colorado for at least the next couple of years. So, well, you know, depending on results. But. Yeah, of course, that can, that can always change. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up there. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and don't disappoint when it comes to nhl results strava craft coffee is rich cbd infused coffee that you can purchase in k-cups for your keurig whole bean or ground whichever you prefer and you can get 20 percent off when you use code dnbr20 
online or on their website. You can order it ahead and it'll get shipped straight to your door. You can also try it in a number of places around Denver. The CBD is non-psychoactive and it's known to help long-term migraines, decrease anxiety, arthritis, many other things as well. So it's really awesome stuff. Give it a try and just remember to use code DNVR20. DNVR Avalanche. 